Oshiokyo, our Sailor Moon podcast. I'm Kim. And I'm Isha, and in this episode we'll be talking about Acts 43 to 46 of the Dream slash Dead Moon arc in the Sailor Moon manga. I did not properly <laughs> sort out these chapters. I'm doing it 443, and it should have been 3332. But, uh, oh well, you're just gonna have some longer episodes. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. did, I did this to myself. <laughs> it's okay. We're having fun. We're having fun. It's fun, guys. We're gonna have extra episodes for this arc anyway, just because of how weirdly the anime is structured. So, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even realize that the Nihelenia arc bled into stars. I think I just never never noticed that. Well, because, <laughs> well, because you watched Super S how many years ago, and stars was never released yeah. in America. So as far as you were concerned, like, okay, Dead Moon is defeated, and you didn't know jack shit, and the stars, you were just like, oh yeah, that's where, like, the, the boys slash girls from outer space come to earth and you don't realize that like oh yeah we didn't have like literally a good third of the dream arc in the dream arc yeah well because i mostly read like that whole part of sailor moon i think of when i think about it i'm really thinking about the manga you know Mm. because the manga was complete the yeah. anime in America was not complete. Mm-hmm. So I like mentally, I just kind of throw that all out. So I don't think I really like it really clicked that, like you said, a third of it was just gone because it's like, well, my brain filled in the rest of the story because my brain had read the manga. you know? Right. Yeah. And like when we were teenagers, it wasn't easy to get your hands on like the English translation of the Sailor Moon anime. Like you couldn't get the like it was difficult to get the dub. You could maybe find a yeah. couple of VHSs at Blockbuster or Hollywood Video or whatever, um, but you couldn't get the whole series. It was it was yeah. very difficult. And then Torrance came out, and by the time like Torrance happened, people were like, "Oh, I can just watch fan subs of the original Japanese one." And, like, get all of these missing episodes that were completely cut from uh, the U.S. release. And so people were like, yeah, subs not dubs for life, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when it started for me. It started in high school. Subs not dubs. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the the early dubs were so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, And that, too, like, S and Super S. I don't know the name of the voice actress, and I'm really sorry for, like bragging her work but she was so shrill as usagi oh there yeah yeah it was so odd i my brain had permanently associated her with usagi's voice mm-hmm. so when i went wa- back and watched some of those early episodes with the original mm-hmm. sailor moon english voice actress i was very surprised how not obnoxious that first voice actress was yeah it's it's more of like a normal person it's she sounds older than 14 which was probably the problem which is why i think the second voice actress was like pitch it higher so you sound younger and it just sounded like someone really messed up a vocal cord surgery on an adult (laughs) (laughs) so you know it's not completely her fault like her directors, like, the producers, like, everyone who was in the room and, like, listening to what she was recording and then being like, yeah, that's good enough. It wasn't. And and the standard for um, anime voice acting was not so high back then either. So yeah. uh, you had a lot of obnoxious voices from that time. I mean, the standard wasn't the, good like, for, like, regular animation, like, American-based animation. Yeah, yeah. It was better, though. We still had our, like, MVPs of voice acting at that time. They Mm -hmm. were just very different. They're very character voices, Mm -hmm. you know? You You had, like, all the voices for the WB series, and those are all top tier, oh, you know? Yeah, WB had good actors. Uh, we are yeah. straying way too far into anime and animation, and this is supposed to be about the manga. <laughs> so I've got to redirect yeah. us. I, I set us on this track. It is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but to come back, um, we left off on quite a cliffhanger. Yeah. So Mamori was With- coughing up black blood. Mm-hmm. And 
Usagi and Chibiusa finally found out. Yeah. Yeah, so Helios is, like, hovering over him, and Chibiusa's like, you tell me what's going on right the fuck now. And so Helios is like, alright, I guess it's time. And that explains that he is the priest of Elysian, which is a kingdom within mm-hmm. the Earth. And Helios is meant to be a protector of King of Prince Endymion. And so Earth, Elysian, Endymion, and Helios are all linked together. So basically, like, if they're coins, like, Earth and Elysian are two sides of the same coin, Endymion and Helios are two sides of the same coin. Uh, and so the black rose in Mamoru's chest, like the lung shadows that no doctor wanted to follow up on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to be salty about that forever. <laughs> is also present in Helios because it's the dead moon curse. Yeah. I think this was super cool. I totally forgot about so much of this. Oh, really? And I I did. Like I knew I knew Helios was associated with uh Mamoru, you mm-hmm. know? Like I knew he was from his past life. What I forgot about was the whole the fact that Elysion was inside of the earth Mm. um and it that's really cool because i had always kind of thought about it's like okay it was some kind of day and age where like in dimian where like the king of earth there was like a king of earth i guess yeah you know the lore isn't super um clear there at least not early on Mm -hmm. And then for them to do this is really neat because there's a lot of mythology where there is, like, a legendary land inside the Earth. Yeah. I don't think Elysion from Greek mythology was ever described as being inside the Earth, but still. No, there's I There's, think... like, a lot of these. It makes sense, though. I mean, most people's concepts of death is that it's underneath the Earth, right? Like, if you look at a bunch of different mythologies, it's that, like, it's the underworld quite literally. And so uh-huh. Elysium is, for those who don't know, is basically heaven in Greek mythology. So Elysium was mm-hmm. created in the underworld as a place for where like good souls go. And by the way, women who died in childbirth. So <laughs> if you died in childbirth, oh, it's yeah. fine. You go to Elysium, like bar none. It, it's the good ending. Yeah, it's the good ending. Um, and so because much of Sailor Moon takes from Greek mythology, like the names in any case, like Elysion is that like Helios is the name of the uh, the Greek god of the sun. He's one of the original uh-huh. Titans. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a whole thing. Um, Which is super cool because her mother was Selene, who was Helios' sister mm-hmm. in um, Greek mythology. Really cool. Love it. Love that they're pulling these. Yeah, it's pretty... These, um, references in here yeah it's pretty great it it really shows that takichi sensei probably was like oh i did not do world building enough for like the first for the first story arc and then they're like we want more and she was like i i didn't okay (laughs) yeah i just it's really cool yeah because you know she hadn't intended it for it to go as long as it did Mm -hmm. so it gave her room to expand on some of these concepts so that was i I think that was really neat because anyways we'll get into it as we go on they get into more of the world building which i really loved i thought it was really smart um i don't feel like we get enough of it in the anime but we don't you know, get any anime of it in the anime yeah anime is the monster monster of the week format so yeah. we don't we don't get this lore again um, it's it's the consequence of being a show that aired in the 90s prior to um the advent of recording shows really because how many people yeah. are like recording things on vhs's there that's not to say there weren't any but like the majority of people were not like oh gotta set the timer to record my show at seven o'clock on saturday yeah uh so yeah what we learn is that um helios was because we know sailor moon has basically two timelines. You have the past life and you have the current life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mamoru and Usagi were, of course, um, Prince Endemian and Princess Serenity in the past life. They each had their own kingdoms. One was Earth and one was the moon. I like how they describe how they basically had the same goal. You had 
Endymion uh, from the inside of the earth, the king of the earth, protecting it with the, crisp, the golden crystal. They start to talk about the mm. golden crystal. And you have that's Sailor a little. Moon that's a little early. Earth. We'll talk about the golden crystal later. We have well. The golden crystal I, is I, I finally just, revealed. <laughs> is or it's. I know. I I just want to because. I want to just kind of give this outline mm -hmm. and then we can get into the nitty gritty of how they describe in the narrative. Okay. Cause it is kind of, they, they touch on it and then we back away and then we touch on it and we back away and it is a little bit convoluted. That's why I want to just kind of give this framework. Sure. So this is what we're going to be learning within the next few episodes, you know, or not episodes, but chapters, you know? So we have the protection from the outside, the protection from the inside, we have the moonlight and we have the sunlight, basically. And um, we have Helios, who is was Endymion's high priest. Mm -hmm. Endymion being the prince of the earth, you right. know. So I think it's cool we get to learn more about his court and all those details, you know. Right. And then, but like, yeah. And again, it, it also... It's never, we're, we don't really talk about the Shitano, really. Like, we see them, in, in, like, a couple chapters back, like, looking over Mamoru, coughing up blood. But, you know, they're they're the Shitano, which is, like, the four kings of heaven, or the four heavenly kings. And so it's, like, it's for the cardinal direction, so north, south, east, west. Um, mm -hmm. It just ties in. Uh, but, yeah, Helios, yeah. like, this whole time has just been astral projecting, because he's physically captured by Nehalenia, and he reveals that... Uh, the curse is by the dead moon, which is like a dark, evil part of the moon that had been sealed away. And after the fall of the Silver Millennium and the destruction of the Earth Kingdom, uh, they were able to kind of start become free. And so the beginning of the curse is, was like really like a thousand years ago. And it's just been slowly, slowly infecting them. And so Helios is begging Sailor Moon to defeat the dead moon. And she's like, okay, that will save Memorial. And he was like, well... <laughs> He's Maybe. like, well, no, you need to find the golden crystal. And yeah. um, keep in mind... This is when they start referencing it more. Yeah. And so keep in mind that Jupiter and Chibi Moon are there. Remember, like, in the previous chapter, it was Jupiter's little arc. So Jupiter, like, followed Isagi and Chibi Moon uh, when they realized Mamoru was in pain. So Jupiter's watching this yeah. whole thing. Chibi Moon's watching this whole thing. And Mamoru's like, stay away, like, as he's coughing. And Isaki's like, no, your pain is my pain. And it's very sweet. Um, yeah. It's also just like, which, oh, finally. Right? It's like, come on, let her let her hold you. It's fine. Uh, so yeah. later we cut to Jupiter filling in the others along with Chibi Usa. And she wishes that the outer senshi were around to help. And then she, Maka, she, uh, Ray and Ami talk about how when they were like at their limit fighting the Amazonas Quartet and Tiger's Eye, Fisheye, and Hawk's Eye, how they thought of each thought of one of the outers and how that gave them strength uh, to activate their crystal power. And Minako is just quiet because she can't transform. She's the only one of them who can't transform. So she doesn't jump in the conversation and she feels really shitty about it because she's supposed to be the leader of the team, which is like what Artemis is trying to remind her as she's heading home. He's like, you're the leader of the Senshi. And she's like, mm, doesn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it'll come. You'll transform. Like, it'll happen just like it happened for them. They couldn't transform at first either. She's like, mm, whatever. I'm going to go take a bath, which like in, in the levels of I'm going to do this about it. Mine is usually I'm going to go to bed about it, but I'm going to take a bath about it is also pretty good. Uh, yeah. So Minako goes and takes a bath and like Artemis peeps <laughs> on her and uh, like he's like, no. And he's thinking to himself, like the evidence of your power at like blossoming is the fact that you're becoming more and more beautiful, like the goddess Venus. And then you see him later, like looking out of a window and because Diana and Luna are also staying over, Diana tells Luna, like, sometimes it's like Papa looks at Minako like she's a lover. And Luna's like, yeah, kind of. Luna does not care about that. But yeah. then she bites his tail because he peeped, which good on yeah. you. <laughs> she's like, by the way, though, don't be a creeper. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Artemis yeah. and Minako are very close. When we finally do review Sailor V, like that's definitely going to be a part of this. Um, anyway, yeah. 
Artemis is Artemis is a great hype man. Like I love him. I love Artemis. He's Luna, such a good boy. Luna is like the nagging like mom friend, and mm-hmm. Artemis is is the hype man. You know. <laughs> yeah. He's great. I wonder if like Artemis's personality is kind of based off of like Osabu, like her editor. Aww, a little bit, you know, it's just kind cute. of like, please, please, and, you know, can you just, can you just do this? But, like, still guiding yeah. her, you know? Anyway, that's just, that's just a thought. Uh, we cut to the yeah. Amazonist quartet who are spying on Minaka, who are laughing at the fact that she can't transform, and they're like, I guess she's next, because our three animal friends are dead, we meet new people, Xenotime and Zeolite, and they looked like they were, like, jacks from playing cards, right? Because they had, like, the daggers and, like, the checkerboard. They made me think of Jax from playing cards. Oh. What do you think? I need to look them up again. Hang on. I know I saw them. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Right. They make a lot of promises. They're like, we'll, de- we'll destroy her. We'll kill all the senshi. We'll take over the planet. That's all. Like, us two can do oh, yeah. it. They do, right? I don't know. Yeah? Actually, that bodysuit kind of reminds me of Freddie Mercury, to be honest. Does it? Anyway, I don't know what their look is based off of, but um, Xenotime <laughs> is a type of mineral. It's a rare type of mineral, and it's called a chrysanthemum stone in Japan. There's, like, one mountain where it can be mined from, uh, and it can also be radioactive, wow. so be careful around it. Um, and Xenolite Ooh. is a category of minerals that are usually made up of aluminum and silicon. Uh, there's multiple different types of minerals, but, like, multiple different types of uses but when i was looking it up like the last the last thing on the list was cat litter so of course that's the only one i remember (laughs) (laughs) yeah they have fair they they have fairly plain designs that's i i knew that was the case which is like hang on i need to look at them they've got like um they've got like skin tight bodysuits with a checkerboard pattern Mm -hmm. and then blonde mullets and they don't have noses. They have like um, the crescent-shaped eyes because they're laughing, and then yeah. they have like a little dot on their third eye. Yeah. Oh, I forgot and about that's the dot. About it. Yeah, I don't know. I was there. They well, look. They look very much like, um, like a filler enemy. Yeah, they're there. They yeah. existed for a second. Yeah, they don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist in the original anime be interested to see what they look like in Sailor Moon Eternal, but we're, that'll take a while. Anyway, the Inners continue to do recon on the circus, and they notice how dirty and violent Juvon District has gotten. Uh, Minako notices that Ray has the Deep Aqua Mirror, and Ray's like, oh yeah, I borrowed this from Chibiusa to help with scrying. And then Ami's like, I've been analyzing the area, and there's a ward over it. Either that, or they're sending out some kind of brainwashing wave. And Minako's impressed, and Nami's like, thanks! Satsuna gave me the program to analyze this! And then Mako hears a helicopter, and she's like, oh, maybe it's Haruka and the others, like, coming to save us on a helicopter. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, and then Minako just explodes, because she's like, oh, you love the outer so much! <laughs> I guess nobody needs me! It's like, it's because I'm not a good leader, isn't it? And they're like, what? No, that's not what we're saying! And she's like, I, I know you guys hate me, and then she runs off. And, like, she knows she's done a stupid thing. But at the same time, like, Minako's 16. Like, give her a break. But then she runs and she's... Honestly, this is such a teenager thing to do, where it's, Mm -hmm. like, it's been brewing in her brain. You know, it's been getting to her. It's been brewing in her brain. She hasn't been talking about that all of a sudden it explodes. Like, everybody does does that to some degree, but teenagers especially haven't learned how to regulate that yet. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to see one of these characters acting like a teenager that's one thing i love about um minako and usagi is they have these moments where they're just kids yeah <laughs> yeah i think it helps that like neither minako nor, nor usagi prior to being awakened as senshi had like any real family trauma like their parents are still yeah. married you know like they live relatively else... average lives you know no there's not been any like parental deaths or abandonment yeah, everybody else had to grow up a lot faster. Yeah. Um, like, but, poor Ray, her mom yeah, dies, so, and her dad's just like, here, you live at this temple now, I guess. 
anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't have time to raise you. Here's your grandpa. Right. Um, so anyway, Minako runs into Zeno time who gives her uh, a card and scout. Like we don't see this cause we find out when she returns to the other, she's like, I got scouted. And they're like, what? And then she shows them the card and they're like, this says dead moon on it. And she's like, whatever, I'm going to go do it. <laughs> scouted by somebody looking, um, tr- for idols, for idol mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. She's scouted so, for, for idol work. So I, that's an idol from ag- mod- agency. Yeah, so that's modeling, singing, dancing, acting. Um, so obviously the inners and the cats are like, absolutely not. Minaka's like, whatever, I'm going to do it anyway. Although if you look at the the little panel where they're reacting, Ray is just like relaxing on the table being like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Mina's like, Mina leaves to go to the audition. and She's like, of course I know it's a trap. That's why I'm going, but I have to prove myself. And I like her, like... She says something that I really liked, which is, I, Sailor Venus, will combine business and pleasure in my battle. <laughs> I, there's just something about that that I love. <laughs> it's pretty on brand. It's she, so good. I love Minako. So, what, one defining difference between Minako and Usagi is, Usagi is a very, um, she doesn't want to fight. She's, uh, what do you call that archetype? Reluctant hero. Usagi mm. is a very reluctant hero. Uh, Minako is not. Minako is very enthusiastic about beating up bad guys, being a hero, saving the day, fighting. Um, she, she likes her job. <laughs> she yeah. is not reluctant in her role. She loves being Sailor Venus. Uh, anyway, yeah. she attends the audition. Uh, she's surprised by the number of people, not because she's like, oh, no, I have a lot of competition, but because she's like, I can't protect this many people when this goes south. And she thinks for a second to call the others. And then she's like, no, I don't want them to know I can't transform. And so they go through this whole process that we don't see because it's not important. And then the final part is the survival audition. So they go into a tent and it's like the Amazon jungle remade inside of this tent. And you have to get through the maze of the jungle to reach these four kids who are trapped on a tower. Uh, the children are yeah, not children. And everybody's in swimsuits because they've been auditioning and it's mm-hmm. so like bad. It's just bad shit. And it's, it's just like, what, how did this happen? And Minoko is just like, how is this part of the test? Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, this is a terrible audition. <laughs> but I mean, you know, yeah. these, these women are like overwhelmed by the negative energy. So they are like, I want to become an idol no matter what. So they rush into the jungle uh, where they're, of course, beset by Lemures who are like feasting on their nightmares. Um, and so Minako's trying to help. Uh, but then I think like something is thrown at her. There's a projectile thrown at her and she can't block it. And then Jupiter and then it's Jupiter. Jupiter knocks it away. And then she realizes her friends are there. And, um, and then she tries to transform and can't transform in front of them. And she's so ashamed of the fact that she can't transform that she's like, whatever, I'm going to go save those kids. And she runs to that tower. She gets to the tower and she's climbing up the tower and Xenotime is throwing daggers down at her. And Zeolite in the meantime, like corners the inners and is attacking them so they can't help Minako. Uh, Minaka's like, whatever, I'm getting to the top of this tower. She gets to the top of the tower. The kids turn into Lemures. And she gets attacked. And then Vespes brainwashes her to go for the silver crystal and destroy the white moon. And then our sweet baby boy Artemis comes in, scratches her face, and snaps her out of it. And Vespes, Mm -hmm. frustrated, activates a trap door. I love how, like, just... This is all very, it's both very serious and very slapstick. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. It's, it's so funny. And so Mina falls and Artemis somehow with his magic kitty power, like is able to grab her and stop her from completely falling. But then. But then little kitty paws. He's little kitty paws. He's doing his best. But then Palapala drops a boulder on him and Minako screams no. And that's how the chapter ends. And then when you go to Act 44, it's tiny child Hotaru uh, reading William Butler Yeats's The Second Coming, which is about <laughs> the end of humanity and was written right after World War One. 
Mood, girl. Mood. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> just like civilization is coming to an end because the man just lived through World War One, And this is like a five-year-old girl reading fucking yeets. Sorry. This reminds me of that moment when you pointed out to me how odd it was that my mom read my brother and I, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, as like fourth graders or something like that. Yeah, that's super weird. You're like, what? I was like, yeah, of course. We, we, yeah, yeah. We grew up on the classics. It's just like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, why? Like, there are things that are not child appropriate, Kim. Yeah. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is like barely adult appropriate. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Now I have to say no, to say the thing that Victor Hugo only wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame because France was going to destroy Notre Dame, the cathedral, and he was like, no, I fucking love Notre Dame. And so he wrote a book that became very, very popular, and then people were like, we love Notre Dame, and so France couldn't tear down the cathedral. I still think about it every time I see just, like, a singular baby shoe. <sighs> if I see, like, a singular baby shoe, because Esmeralda had one baby shoe... And then her mother had one baby shoe. So if I see, like, a lone baby shoe, you know how you'll just see, like, random objects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, ah! And I think about it. <laughs> yeah. The the Disney movie is very, very different. Got good like, music, though. Oh, amazing music. And look, Claude Frollo is just peak villain. Anyway, Notre Dame aside... We're here with baby Hotaru. Then we cut to a scene of like a man looking at like an expensive Italian car. And it's like this blue Ferrari. And it goes into the specs of this car. I don't give a shit about the specs of this car. It's blue. It's a Ferrari. That's all you need to know. And then he's just like, who's the driver? Is it a man or a woman that realizes that it's a woman? He's like, oh, hey, baby. And she's like, uh, you're a, you're way too early. to." She's like... It's Haruka, obviously. And she's like, mm, nice. And then smokes him as the light turns green. And yeah, I love her. That's pretty great. I love her. And then Michiru that's is in great. a bookstore, and then a fan approaches her and is like, can I shake your hand? And then Haruka appears and is like, thank you so much for supporting my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just gets right in his face. It's great. amazing. And then uh, Michiru has like this bouquet of white roses and Haruka's like, ooh, did a fan give that to you? Because Haruka's jealous. And Michiru's like, no, I bought them for myself as like a six month commemoration of when we started our new life. And I wrote in the notes, uh, bun bought a bunch of white roses to commemorate six months of being a lesbian polycule raising an avatar of death. <laughs> yeah. Yay. And as they head out of the story, like, we see, like, dialogue of people, like, commenting on them because they're both famous in their own right and then realizing that they have rings on their left hands, wedding ring, like, on their left wedding. On their wedding... Wedding ring finger. Yeah, on their left ring finger. Anyway. Mm -hmm. And so we see Setsuna, who also has a ring on her left ring finger, and then she's working on the computer, and then there's a crash. And instead of being like, I should go see what's wrong, she's just like, please don't hurt yourself before the others come back, and stays at her desk. And we see, like, child Hotaru <laughs> in the kitchen with, like, broken plates, crying with, like, blood coming off of her arm, and then her wound heals completely. And then she goes running to Haruka Papa and Michiru Mama as they come through the door. <laughs> it's so, it's so sweet. Cute. It's so cute. Setsuna is like, it's really difficult to keep up with um, the rapidly developing Hotaru because Hotaru has gone from an infant to like a five-year-old in six months. Uh, and then they break yeah. down who's in charge of what. So Setsuna is in charge of manners and schooling. Michiru is in charge of health and meals. And Haruka is in charge of diapers and playtime. Oh, I forgot to mention before, like, as Michiru and Haruka were leaving, Haruka points out a sale on diapers. And Michiru is like, how quickly you forget our kid doesn't need that anymore. Yeah. And Setsuna Haruka has the same responsibilities I did when, when uh, my nephew was little. Mm. <laughs> diapers and playtime. Yeah. <laughs> 
Good. But Setsuna recalls how things changed a few weeks into their guardianship because she was working at an observatory, and so during the solar eclipse, uh, she felt a huge time distortion, like a spatial distortion. And so she's like, hmm, better transform, and then couldn't transform. And, uh-huh. uh, like, all of them did. Like, at the t- at the moment of the solar eclipse, they all felt like, oh, something's changed, and they and none of them could transform. And after the solar eclipse, Hotaru began to grow exponentially, whereas before she was progressing like a normal infant, um, she just started shooting up. And Setsuna's like, is this a sign that Saturn is awakening again? Mm-hmm. So they're and all they, worried. they also... They also comment, since they can no longer transform, they they wonder if their mission has changed. So mm. they're like, maybe we're not needed to fight anymore. Yeah, it's really, it's really sad. I found that really sad. Um, it's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Because they've been alone. They've been, their, their mission had been to be alone. Mm-hmm. And then it had been to to assist but from a distance mm-hmm. and now that their mission has changed they're finally able to be together and it seems like their new mission is just to live life and raise hotaru you know mm-hmm. so like there is like this sadness in that they've lost that that role as being by her side but um i think it's there's that sweetness that they don't have to be alone anymore they yeah. don't have to be isolated. They can work. They're together as a team. The outer senshis are all together now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. But there's definitely a sadness. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it, it's cool. Really bittersweet. Mm-hmm. So, um, the next scene is Michiru hosting violin lessons for Hotaru and like other little kids in the area, and the kids are all excited when Hotaru is about to play because apparently, when she plays, a Pegasus appears. <laughs> Yeah, they call it, uh, in the scanlation, they describe it as, like, a Pegasus ghost. Yeah, because it's not, it's not solid. It's just, like, an after image. And so, um, this, the Pegasus moves away, and this time, Chibiusa appears and chases after the Pegasus, and Michiru's in shock, and Hotaru stops Mm -hmm. playing and runs after this image, and by the time she catches up, she just sees the dead Pegasus and Chibiusa weeping over it. And Michiru mm-hmm. catches up and says, like, normally Hotaru's, you know, like a normal kid. But there are some times where her eyes become as dark as Sailor Saturn's. And Hotaru's like, I've seen this girl before in, in like, Michiru Mama's photo album. Like, in your photo albums. And, mm. you know, after the lesson ends, like, the moms are all talking about, like, her dream life is going to be ending. Like, this is not... These are some really bad omens and they can't do anything because they have no access to their powers. And so here's yeah. here's the thing that I never understood in any reading of the manga, including now, which is that Hatari's powers are massive. And so she can create like a simulacrum of the solar system forming. Oh, yeah. And like Hark is, Hark is just got, it's like, you know, sometimes her powers can manifest chaotically. So I'm here to help guide them. So this is what playtime is. So Hataru has been working on a simulacrum of the of our solar system developing. And um, while Haruka and Michiru are like waxing poetic about Usagi, Hataru's simulation fast forwards to the day of the eclipse. And then the earth and the moon turn completely black. And everyone's... This is after she's... She's cycled through. She has created this like floating image and cycled through the history of the creation of the solar system. Yeah, billions of years. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, we've gotten like you do. You know, like a five year old, a normal five year old. Anyway, it gets to that yeah. point and it turns black and everyone's freaked out. And Haruka's like, "Stop it! <laughs> like, go take a bath. The yeah. the solution to everything is go take a bath." Um, <laughs> and so this is where like. Uh, Setsuna, Haruka, and Michiru all talk more in depth about what you were saying earlier about how their powers have gone and so their mission has changed. Yeah. They say specifically that, like, their powers have abandoned them because their princess no longer needs them. And they're really quite upset about that, especially since, like, now they finally met everyone and 
um, as we've seen with uh, Rei, Ami, and Mako's um, new awakenings into their crystal power, like, clearly there were things that happened between all of them that just wasn't in the manga, you know? Tetsuna gave Ami this program, like, they were able to have these conversations and develop relationships off-screen. And so it's, it yeah. definitely feels lonely. And then meanwhile, as Hitaru is, like, going to to the bath, she sees her reflection, except it's not her, it's Sailor Saturn. And Sailor yeah. Saturn's like, you have to awaken. And Child of Tire is like, okay, I guess, and goes and takes a bath. <laughs> and she just does. And she's like, okay. So- and, and and she rereads The Second Coming, um, which again, you know, like, this was written after World War One. It's about the end of civilization. But again, remember, like, Yeats was raised in England, you know, like Christianity is a big thing. So the second coming is obviously the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is basically heralding the apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. I needed you to confirm that because you know more about Christian theology than I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's basically the, the end of the world. So, yeah. um, but, so. but I mean, it's the end. So the second coming, when you say the second coming versus saying the apocalypse, the apocalypse is when you're talking about the downfall in a destructive way. When you're talking about the second coming, you're talking about um, like the good side of it, where Jesus comes back and and there's a, the world enters a state of paradise. Mm. So it's it's like a final judgment. Okay, so is it kind so. of like the apocalypse happens and then Jesus comes to ease our pain and then we get to judgment day? Uh, there, there is, um, there's debate on that timeline. Okay. Uh, because there's, there's, like, you have it described different ways in different books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, like, modern interpretations, like, uh, like, you're gonna hear things like the, what do you call it? The whole, it's a lot, to, to summarize, it's a lot more convoluted in the book of Revelations and um i've heard the book of revelations is pretty wild yeah the book of revelations and isaiah talk about the end of the world talk about the apocalypse um and revelations talks a little bit more about like the second coming but it's it's a lot more vague than Mm -hmm. you would guess by modern theology so sure um yeah i mean yeah the second coming is a thing in islam as well but um Again, yeah. not much description. It's basically just Jesus has to come back to Earth so that he can die because he didn't die the first time. There's no, like, Jesus didn't die on the cross in Islam. He was taken up to heaven oh, okay. before that could happen. That's why he has to come back down to Earth because he has not physically died. Uh, and all, yeah. all things so, have to die. So he comes back to Earth, rules over, like, people, brings, you know, like, heaven on Earth for a little bit. And then then everything ends and then like we descend into chaos and apocalypse and then the judgment day but there's no timeline and it's yeah. it's very specific you don't know when anything is going to happen and anyone who tells you they yeah. know when it's going to happen is a liar yeah so it's in of course since he's already resurrected in christianity when he returns is when he's supposed to come back to rule in a in a um paradise state mm-hmm. um so we share and, that at least, just not the dying yeah. thing. The the timeline leading up to that is very different though. There's like the whole Left Behind series. That whole thing mm. is is totally like an American Christian invention. The idea of like the rapture. Yeah, the rapture we, is not a it's not a biblical thing at all. Yeah, so. we could spend like a whole three hours talking about like the variety of ways in which people have oh. interpreted the, inco- the apocalypse <laughs> and the second coming. But that's not what this podcast yeah. is about. Sonia Hattari- Second coming. End of the world, return of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way it really applies. And in the Sailor Moon world, the Messiah is uh, Usagi. Usagi. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Hataru awakens in the bath because, like, as she, like, finishes rereading Yeats, uh, the memories of her past life as Hotaru, com- Hotaru Tomoe come back to her, and she reawakens as Sailor Saturn. And she comes to her mom. She's not, like, transformed as a senshi, but uh, she comes to them, like, looking like a preteen, kind of like Chibiusa's age. And she's like, it's time for mm-hmm. a new awakening. Um, the rules have been changed. Like, Super Sailor Moon ended um, our role, so we no longer need to protect from afar. Uh, we can work together, and we need to work together. 
And she's like, it's my turn to lead you to the others and gives them their the planet crystals. So they all so they're they're all able to transform again. And so the Holy Grail appeal appears and it shows um, the inner century um, struggling, uh, fighting the black, not the black moon, the dead moon. Uh, where we left off in the Minako chapter and Usagi and Mamoru each coughing and they're all like, oh, we gotta go now. And so they leave. we got work to do. And then we cut back to Minako where Artemis is presumably crushed under a boulder. Minako's just hanging on by like fingernails and like weeping for Artemis and how she never appreciated him enough and like he was so good to her. And then a hand lifts up the boulder and we see Artemis as a human man with long white hair. And he's like the only like white haired Bishonen type who's not evil that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> One can argue about God, Inu- is that true? One Wait can argue second. for Inuyasha, but I don't think Inuyasha is a Bishonen. Oh, no, he's a brat. Yeah. Shishomaru is a Bishonen, but he's evil. He's evil. Yeah, and uh, uh, people argue that, but guys, I mean, he break. he gets better, but he's evil. He <laughs> he's a better. demon. Yeah. Anyway, he starts as an antagonist. Anyways, anyways, that's a good point. I'm thinking now. Yeah. So he, so like, he's a man. Minako's shocked because it's just like, what's happening? Uh, at this he's point so in the, at this point in the story, Princess Kaguya's lover has already happened because that happens in between S and Super S. So we've seen, like, human Luna. We just haven't covered it in the podcast yet. Anyway, Minako's shocked. Artemis is like, you couldn't transform because I wasn't a good partner to you. But now I'm now I'm strong enough. And he gives her her Venus crystal, like how Phobos and Deimos gave Rey her Mars crystal. And she does Venus crystal power and her first love and beauty shock. And she destroys both Xenolite and Xenotime. Yay! It's great. I felt so proud. But <laughs> anyways, the Amazonist Quartet regroup. They trap the four inners. Minako's like, we need more help. We cut to Chibi Usa, who's looking at the night sky and is like, I can't see any stars. That's weird. Uh, and then Usagi enters the room and Chibi Usa's like, oh, you're back from Memorial. And she's like, yep. And then Usagi starts coughing and Chibi Usa's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a curse. So there's kind of this implication. Uh, Mamoru... Sh- mentions early on that he doesn't want to spread the curse to Usagi and it seems like it is spreading to Usagi so now they are both in rough shape yeah it's very sad anyway act 45 opens up fucking amazingly because we see the 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 outers in civilian form like throw open the doors of this tent how when there aren't any doors I don't know but just go with it uh we see their silhouettes at first and then just like their chins and they're talking shit about these enemies being like, mm, this ain't no big deal. And then Hotaru like clinches it with only ruin awaits. <laughs> Imagine like a tiny preteen girl being like, only ruin awaits. Like, fuck. I mean, I, I kind of love this. There's kind of a Wednesday Adams feel to, to Hotaru sometimes. Wednesday Adams doesn't have shit on Hotaru. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. I will fight anybody. Like what like the Adams I family won't... the Adams family are inherently comical in like their depravity. And Hotaru was not. Hotaru was very much like No, I'm the goddess of death, literally. Fuck off. <laughs> I won't fight you on that. I don't have a horse in this race. <laughs> Anyway, we get their transformations and they introduce themselves. And this was something that I found interesting, which we'll probably go into more in their character episodes, where Neptune introduces herself as the guardian of encirclement. Uranus is the guardian of flight, which is a bit more straightforward. Pluto is the guardian of reformation. And Saturn is guardian of ruin and rebirth. And uh-huh. yeah, it's it sounds so cool. Anyways, um... The inners are obviously amazed to see them, and they're amazed to see Hotaru fully grown since, like, six months ago she was an infant. And we cut to Usagi, who's coughing and sick in bed, and we have the black rose motif in the images just to remind us, like, hey, there's a curse. A beautiful curse, but still a curse. Um, 
and we see the outers again and they're like we've returned in order to help our princess because a danger is approaching and not just their princess but also the prince and they have to defeat the Amazonas quartet and Saturn like calls out with her heart to Chibiusa and the D-block Wamir act like Chibiusa's like oh my god Hotaru like what no and then the D-block Wamir activates and shows them the bat and shows her the battle and Chibiusa's like Usagi we need to go and Usagi can't really get out of bed and she's like you go ahead and I'll catch up and so she, she transforms into Chibi Moon, orders the mirror to teleport back to its rightful owner, uh, and then runs through Juban. And eventually Usagi gets out of bed, and she runs out and meets up with Mamoru. Yeah, Just... she starts coughing, they both co- collapse, huh? No, continue. No, they they don't collapse. Well, Usagi collapses and he catches her. Oh, it's hard because it runs alongside this fight along at the same time, you know? Yeah. So we okay, don't we'll linger just, on this scene. We're, we're just going to skip long. this. I just like that, like, moment between the two of them. Yeah. Just, it's really sweet. It. Yeah. It's uh, it's just a few frames. It, it's really just, like, a page and a half that's devoted to this reunion. Um, two pages here. But it's... It, it's um, it's pretty, but sad. <laughs> um. Anyway, right. so meanwhile, while Mamoru and Usagi are meeting up, like Minako, like straight up grabs Uranus's uniform and is like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> and Neptune's like, "We don't have time for this." Uh, and she uses yeah. her mirror to destroy the circus tent, so they're no longer in this like weird jungly area. And instead, we see a blackened sky with like the moon, like a new moon hovering over them very like legend of zelda majora's mask ish yeah. but without the face it's very ominous try to remember when majora's mask came out it was definitely after this so <laughs> anyway like we see <laughs> we see chibi moon running through juban and she is like when did it get this dirty like it's dark it's dirty there's people fighting everywhere like this is awful um, anyway, so the Moon family all arrives at the circus at the same time. Um, Usagi and Mamoru are not transformed at this point. It's just Chibi Moon who's transformed. And then Zirconia is like, alright, the whole party's here, so it's time to show up. Uh, and now everybody knows Zirconia is here, because we didn't know about her before for the, for the good guys. And then she monologues. Yeah. No, Usagi and Mamoru are transformed at this point. No, because they, because when but they get hit by, are they transformed? I thought, like, they get hit by the, the de-aging beam. Because yeah, she, they are transformed, but then they get de-transformed. I don't know why they had them transformed. They were transformed. Oh. Because I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, they yeah. de-transform. Yeah, they de-transform. So anyway, Zirconia, like, monologues, and then she's like, all of this for our ruler in Helenia. She, she shoots a beam at Sailor Moon and Tuxedo Mask, and they start to rapidly de-age, going like sm- getting smaller and smaller and like the inners and outers are like what the fuck and Saturn's like I have a feeling and then runs off with Chibi Moon and then yeah. Helios appears and is like I'm gonna take away these babies because Usagi and Mamori were like babies now um anyway because Saturn's like we have other fish to fry we follow Saturn and Chibi Moon and they face off against all four of the Amazonas Quartet so Palapala, Vesves, Junjun, and Sarasara. And Palapala, <laughs> Palapala uses an attack. She's been using this orb consistently throughout the, this arc. And she uses the orb of Nato. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like a moment of, of comedy and like all of this dark, depressing action. And Saturn's like, you're not meant to be this way. Like, reject your evil. Like, the quartet's like, this is all we've ever wanted ever since we were born. And Saturn's like, you've been deceived. And the Amazonas quartet continues to attack them with, like, ever-increasing nightmares. And then Chibi Moon's like, these are bad nightmares, but I don't think they're, like, fundamentally bad people. And, yeah. and Saturn uses, like, attacks and, like, I don't remember the second one that's, like, an actual physical attack, but one of them is Silence Wall, which is to protect. And she's like, mm-hmm. wake up or die. <laughs> yeah, because that's my girl, uh, and the Amazonas Quartet stop 
attacking and they reach out and at this moment zirconia pops up because we can't have nice things he's like how dare you and they're like we're sorry and she traps them in these orbs and then zirconia yeah. um pulls a superman and traps saturn and shibusa in like mirror shards that look like the phantom zone from the superman movies like the 70s ones with christopher reeve <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 and then she takes the orbs and the shards and she puts them into like the big cursed nehelenia mirror and we see the orbs and the shards drop in front of nehelenia i i love this scene leading up to this because it's it was really cool to watch the besties fight side by side you know i i think this is the first time we have sailor saturn and uh sailor chibi moon fighting side by side like that um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I like it's being, cool. It's fun. I like seeing Saturn attack. And again, yeah. we're, we're really robbed of that in the anime. We'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. Isha's bitterness cut starts to come through as she starts to remember things that she used to watch. It's okay. There are certain episodes in Super S and Stars that I'm like, oh yeah, these are bangers. And we'll always have Rashiku <laughs> Ikimashou. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Act 46 is a nice little break. Uh, oh, at the, we, at the start. this 45 ends on um, a it's moment ne- of Nehalenia. Yeah, so Nehalenia is sitting on a throne, like, with an evil look on her face as, like, the yeah. Amazonas Quartet orbs and, like, the trap Saturn the Chibi Moon are there. Yeah, she, it's like Zircon- Zirconia? Is that her name? Zircon? Zirconia. Zircon is like her Zirconia. little winged eyeball on her staff. Ah, okay. So Zirconia takes the orbs and the shards and puts them into the, the magic mirror. Yeah. And on the other side of Nehelenia. And Nehelenia is just sitting there on her throne, laughing her ass off because she's a creepy, evil, pretty lady, you know. Yeah. She's gorgeous, though. She is gorgeous. Her hair is everywhere. It's so pretty. <laughs> I, I love, I know like Takuchi Sensei is basically just like, I love beautiful things and that's why everyone's always beautiful. But I also really appreciate that she makes all of her enemies good looking. Yeah. And they're just like unrepentantly evil. They're just like a shadow being. Well, it, it's kind of, it's kind of shitty how, I know it comes from, um, Mytho- uh, from fairy tales it's a fairy trail tradition that somebody's uh inward beauty is is expressed on the outside so if somebody's ugly on the inside they're ugly on the outside and if they're beautiful then ultimately they'll become beautiful on the outside too uh i like how takuchi doesn't ascribe to that because what happens is when you have a series that reflects that you you demonize people with disabilities with mm-hmm. you know non-traditional accidents who are just who just did not win the genetic lottery in terms of their phenotype people who are not uh who who are not spelt you know anything mm-hmm. other than the ideal yeah which is which is crazy um like <laughs> you know I, I know there's a lot of hate towards J.K. Rowling, but if I could do that again for a second, um, like, how many fat people does she hate on? Like, excuse me. Let's not even talk about how her whole game is based, like, the new game that just came out. It's basically just, like, anti-Semitism, the game. <laughs> but it's okay, because you have magic. But if we're just talking about the trait that she she embodies that throughout her books that mm-hmm. the bad people are ugly, you yeah. know, they're fat, uh, they're ugly, ta- they're squat. Ta- Takuchi doesn't do this. Everybody's pretty, you know. Mm-hmm. She kind of it's like unrealistic expectations, maybe, but at least it's everybody across the board. Everybody's pretty. <laughs> yeah. And also, like anyway. I, I was about to go into, like, a whole rant about how, like, modern American animation is often, like, intentionally ugly and it bothers the shit out of me. But then we would be talking for an hour about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We can talk about that when we're not recording. Anyway, Act 46 starts with, like, a palate cleanser. Like, after, like, all of this harshness of the last three 
uh, chapters. Um, it's this really cute dream. Like, Usagi wakes up and she's a little kid. And, like, Mamoru, like, wakes her up. And she gets up and she's confused. She's like, I don't know what the hell's happening. And he's like, it's time to eat your breakfast. Do you want an omelet? And then, like, he doesn't give her an omelet. He gives her French toast later. But whatever. That's not the point. He makes her breakfast. She's like, oh, my God, I'm late for school. He's like, no, you're not. Because you're awake an hour before you're supposed to go to school. And she's like, oh, okay. Wait, I didn't finish my math homework. And he's like, it's okay. I did it for you. And she's like, this seems like a dream. She's like, this is weird. This. She's like, was Mamoru always like this? Wasn't he a yeah. little? <laughs> he would never do my homework for me. Like, that's her, like she's, yeah. like, she's just like, he would never do my homework, right? And they're skipping down the street to go to school, and child Mamoru's like, Isaki, you want to know what my dream is? My dream is to live with you and go to school with you. And she's like, what? Wait, is it your dream to be a doctor? <laughs> yeah. I think it's really cool. And then he's like, no, my dream is to marry you, Usagi. And she's completely flustered, and that's when real Mamori wakes her up. Well, and then he's like, what is your dream? And she mm. goes, my dream is, and then it gets cut off. Yeah. But um, I kind of like this attribute. Like, I feel like Usagi's done this a couple times. At least she does in the anime. As, as bubble-headed as Usagi is... She actually seems pretty good at seeing through illusions like this. Like, it might take her a little bit, but a lot of times she realizes it on, on her own. Um, yeah. And when we get to the movie, they, it's it's really cool the way she actually pulls out of one of these illusions, these dream mm-hmm. illusions. But yeah, she, she seems hyper aware of the knows. fact that... I'm sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, she just, she seems hyper aware of the fact that if it seems too good to be true, it is, you know? Yeah, I think Isagi is the rare person who likes to fantasize, but is happy to just fantasize. Yeah. Like, if the fantasy became reality, she'd be like, but that's not how it's, that's not how it is, because then, then everybody is doing what she wants, and they're not being themselves. Yeah. And she, yeah, cherish, she, she cherishes her friends for who they are. Yeah. I mean, as much as she would love Mamoru's number one goal to be to marry her, mm-hmm. she knows yeah. that's not who he is, and that's not who makes him who he is. And know? for him to do her homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mamoru is a good man, but he's not a simp. He's not a cheater. He's... He's, okay, look, he's definitely a sim for Isagi, but he will not let Isagi take shortcuts in life. Yeah. He's like, this is for but, your own good, and Isagi's like, but I don't want it to be for my own good. Yeah, but I mean, he also has his own dreams and interests, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. He's got, he's going to school to be a doctor. He's got stuff going on. Anyways. Yeah, he's a good but, boy. Anyway, Mamoru wakes her up. She's like, I knew it was a dream. It was too good to be true. And then they're like, where the fuck are we? And it's just this blackened, disgusting atmosphere and helios is like uh this is what remains of elysion i brought you guys here in hopes that whatever curse zirconia put on you would be eliminated by whatever limited purification is available in this land and it's just this black twisted land of nightmares and you see the black roses everywhere and helios is like let me take you to the sanctuary which is like this beautiful palace and as we enter we see there are two women trapped in pillars of crystal, which is very reminiscent of Neo Queen Serenity in the future. And he's like, these are the Maenads. Uh, they are priestesses of Elysion, and they are trapped in crystal to protect them from the curse. And I was just like, okay, that's definitely a thing in Greek mythology. So I looked up Maenads, and apparently mm-hmm. they are followers of the god Dionysus. So they're like part of his, like the Bacchanalia, essentially. And they're the women yeah. who tore up Orpheus. Um, after he fucked up with Eurydice and, like, looked back into Hades and then, like, wandered the world, like, singing horribly sad songs. And the Maenads were so, like, moved to tears by this. And then they were pissed that they were moved to tears, so they ripped him to pieces. That's who the Maenads are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like their type of nymph. Um, Yeah. 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 A lot of times if you have, like, a Greek mythological female creature and adds it ends with the ads it's yeah. some type of nymph you know there's mm. the neurads the naiads the maya minads or mm-hmm. sorry main ads yeah. yeah it's um, yeah it's it, all i 
it's just for me, I'm like, that's a weird choice for priestesses of purification. Well, it makes sense. It, it does make sense as, as followers of Dionysus and also as, like, followers of, uh, well, I guess they're not really followers of uh, Orpheus. I, I feel like followers follow- of Demeter would have made more sense, but I don't know if she has any. Um, so followers of Dionysus, they go into kind of, like, a state of ecstasy being mm-hmm. drunk is like being possessed by the god Dionysus so um if you think of them kind of like as uh um uh, what do you call it like channeling a god it kind of makes a little more sense mm-hmm. anyway um yeah. anyway, back back to the story they're in the sanctuary my mom is like i've been here and Helios is like, yeah, of course you've been here. And you're, you were the Prince of Earth as Prince Endymion. You lived here. Uh, they never met in person, Helios and Prince Endymion. But this is where, like, the Golden Kingdom, like, the Earth Kingdom was. Like, this was, like, the palace. There was a surface. Of course, there was, like, a surface kingdom as well. But this is, like, the heart of it, essentially. And so Helios, uh-huh. so the way he describes it is that Helios and Elysion would practice protect the inside of the earth and Endymion and his family would protect the surface. Um, and then he reveals that the golden crystal belongs to Mamoru. Uh, and he's like, I don't know where it is. And in one of his final prayers before being captured, that's when he got the prophecy from the last episode about like a princess who's been touched by the moon, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, to unseal the golden crystal but again, he doesn't know where it is. And he's like, he's like, oh, it's in Mamoru. Yeah, she's like, it's probably inside you. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's it's a fair assumption because that's where the silver crystal was hidden. You mm-hmm. know, it was inside her all along. So she's like, oh, if there's a golden crystal, it's probably from you. Which is really neat because they do kind of elaborate on this because she's like, every time you've lent me strength, that's where that power comes from. You have your own power inside you. It's kind of like she's like she has. I don't know if she states it outright. She but does it's basically because Mamori's yeah, like, "There's no way I have that kind of power." Yeah, and she's like, "You've always had power inside you. You've always lent me your power." You know, mm-hmm. which is cool because it's true. Because every time we have like this push comes to shove, she's she. She gets powered up by him, you know? Yeah, it's really sweet. And then she looks at him yeah. and she's like, my dream is to protect the planet so people can live happily. And she wants to accomplish this dream with him. And he's like... Yeah. And she's like, do you want to do that too? And he's like, yeah. And it's very cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so it's, it's sweet. so sweet. It's a very sweet page. Um, I don't remember the page number, but like it's in there. It's towards the end because then Usagi, then Usagi Mamori noticed the cage where Helios's body is being held as a Pegasus, and Usagi, being Usagi, runs for the cage to try to free him, while Helios and Mamori were like, "Don't!" Uh, and of course, the second she touches it, um, she's repelled, and Nahelenia is alerted to their presence within Elysion. And we get her first appearance to our good guys of Nehalenia. She's like, sup, uh, and attacks Isagi and Mamoru, and Helios gets in the way and takes the hit. And Isagi and Mamoru are transported back to their friends, who, meanwhile, were like, our friends just de-aged in front of our eyes and are probably like zygotes or something. <laughs> <laughs> they reappear in that same position, and Isagi shouts, Mean Crisis, make up. And both of them are transformed by it. Yeah. And I don't know why that means so much to me, but it does. Because they're, they just established that they're, they're of, of, uh, one goal, you know? They're of one power. Oh, yeah, that's why. It's so cute. It's so cute. Because, like... They hold hands as she transforms, and it's so cool. Because, um, I think... I didn't, I don't think we, we said it, but Helios is basically like the earth and the moon work together to make sure the people of both the earth and the moon lived happily. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like a, another affirmation of what came before. It's very sweet. Um, 
and then once they're back, the inners and the outers are like, Saturn and Chidiusa are missing. <laughs> and they're like, we have to go find them, but they don't really have the chance because Zirconia appears and she's like, time to go kaiju. Like, she got hit by Rita Repulsa's <laughs> ray and she gets real big. And like, every time you see Zirconia, her robes are draped in such a way that it looks like there's a face on the front. Yeah, and that, I think f- it's cool. Yeah, the face gets bigger, and, like, everyone starts to suffocate from, like, this massive amount of power, and then Helios makes one final prayer to to help them so that they aren't destroyed by all of this power, and by sending the last bit of purification, he dies, and Mamoru feels it. He feels Helios disconnect from him. And then Zirconia's robe face opens its mouth and shoots a beam at Super it's Sailor like, Moon and Tuxedo Mask straight through their chests. And that's how the chapter ends. And everybody dies. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for Sailor Moon. That's it. Uh, the Earth collapses. Everything's destroyed. Dead Moon Circus takes over. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, no, but um, it's really... <laughs> it, Speaking of bittersweet, in Helios' last moments, he's like, he's so grateful that he got to meet Mamoru, and we also see that he's so grateful that he got to meet, like, Chibiusa. Yeah, he thinks of her. Because when uh, he reveals, like, because when we, when he's talking about that prophecy being revealed to him, the, the princess that is shown in front of him has Chibiusa's hair buns. Yeah. We and- say it. He says, I'm uh, I'm so happy to have met the young maiden as well. And we see a little glimpse of the kiss that they shared, which is... Mm. Uh, anyway. It's very, it's very cute. It's very, very cute. cute. It's like, no, leave the boy alone. <sighs> Anyways. I love this. I love this arc. It's a good arc. I remember, like, reading it for the first time, like, in the library, and then, like, fought in, like, the library not having the fourth manga, because it was four mangas. This was, like, the original Antin Takoban, and just, like, yeah. dying to, f- like, it just didn't have it. Every time I tried to search, it just didn't have it. And then uh. finding it at Barnes & Noble and being like, I guess I'm just gonna sit here and read it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I did, and I was like, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> we're not even at the end of this arc, y'all. There's three whole chapters left. Like, we're going to be so happy, and then we're going to be so mad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. That's Sometimes. That seems to be how it is. It's fine. We, like, once we're done with the original manga and anime, we get to hit the musicals, and I'm really excited for the musicals. I'm excited. I can't believe how far we've come with the, the mangas and the anime, like, I think we might be finished by the time our second anniversary comes around. I think we will be. Yeah. I think we will be. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. So should I send us out? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Pod, or contact us through email at Podcast at gmail.com. All that information is in our show notes as usual. Thanks to Barbara Daly for the use of her artwork. Please rate and review us wherever you find us, or... Tsukini kawatte! Oshiokyo! Oshiokyo!